Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Adi. This week, we continue our series over the Gospel of John. Enjoy. for uh, this morning. What I did was I want to go back to kind of revisit what we had talked about a little bit toward the end last week with respect to asking the question, what is the relationship of fear to faith, faith to fear? And I think it's a real pertinent question to ask because we're living in a time when people are very anxious about many things in life. And, and granted, there are many things to be anxious about. So it's not like it's neurotic or it's not like it's, oh, we're all imagining this. There really are a lot of uncertainties uh, in our lives today, some of which are national, some of which are local, uh, some of which it's hard to tell which one it is, you know. But because of that, I think that Christians are both in a unique position to to have a way of addressing the relationship of faith to fear at the same time that we're affected by the relationship of faith to fear. And sometimes what happens, I think, um, in, uh, in Christian circles is that there is sometimes the, the message that's presented is that if you're a fearful person or if you have fear, then there must be something wrong with your faith. You must not have a strong enough faith because, after all, if you had a stronger faith and you trusted in God more, well, then you wouldn't have fear. And we all know that one verse that the Bible says, um, perfect love casts out fear. And so the thought is, well, if I'm having fear and I'm having anxiety, well, then maybe I just don't have a strong enough faith. Maybe I'm not praying enough. Maybe I'm not uh, reading the Bible enough. Maybe all the enoughs that we sort of fill in the blank with. And so I think it's a, it's a great moment to talk about that because when we look at the, uh, the, the reading for today from John 21, the, the topic of fear or the anxiety that comes from fear uh, is very prevalent in, in this. And, and it, it, you would think that of all the times in the, life, in the lives of the disciples, when, if, if anything, fear ought not to be there, it is there, right? Because this is the day of Jesus' resurrection. It hadn't even been 24 hours since he rose from the dead, right? Which was the culmination of, of everything that he came to do in his life and death and mm, resurrection. But it's like the, the, maybe the, the abnormalness of resurrection, if we can say it that way, the, the unordinariness of resurrection uh, was enough to, th- to throw their uh, sense of equilibrium into total disarray. And so it just tells you a little bit about the fact that this wonderful thing had occurred, and yet they are still filled with that human experience of, uh, of fear and anxiety. So, so I want to go back to it because there is that, there, there is, it's a good theme and it's one that we're living right now. So it makes, makes perfect sense. So let's go back to, to uh, John 21. We'll look at uh, verse, uh, verse 9. On the evening of that first day of the week, or is it John 20? I can't remember which one it is. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. 
The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, unless, uh, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, so right off the very top, um, John talks about the fact that fear was prevalent in the lives of the disciples. And frankly, that probably hadn't changed from the moment of Jesus' arrest. I mean, they knew all along that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, was out to get Jesus. And, And the more that he did miraculous things that would depict him as Messiah raising Lazarus from the dead as being the number one big thing, which is like pretty big, that, that, w- that then that hardened their resolve. There, was no, there wasn't going to be any turning back. They, that's where they were going and nothing was going to get in the way. So, so the disciples had seen this all along, that the resistance and the indignance of that group toward Jesus had gotten to that point. And so then after Jesus was crucified, which they all saw that as well, even though there had been reports of the fact that the body was missing at the tomb earlier in the day, and there had been this report by Peter and John, they had been the first witnesses of no one there, and Mary herself had, of course, claimed that she talked to Jesus, but, you know, uh, certain people probably are more believable than others. And so we would have this air of skepticism. So they're all together. And the Bible says that they were what? The doors were locked for fear of the Jews. So let's talk about fear. What are you afraid of these days? Or let's say, let's make it a little bit more general. What is the country afraid of these days? Yes, everything. But if we could get a little bit more specific, that would be helpful. Well, let's go to the next page because I just happen to have the definitive list. But there's probably a few things, okay? Because it goes to the question of, and I, I wrote it down here in, in, uh, in bold print, is the relationship of fear to faith. Are they mutually exclusive? Can you have one while you have the other? Yes. Thankfully, we would say yes. But let's talk a little bit more about that. Because the question is deeper is how do you live a faithful life in the fearful uncertainties? That's, see, that's the struggle. Is it the, at least as I see the struggle, is if you are a person of faith and you talk about faith a lot, that doesn't always play that well among the fearful. Because sometimes what happens is the fearful say, well, you are so indifferent. You just clearly, you don't have compassion. Or they'll say, well... You are not taking this seriously. Clearly, you are living in la-la land, which, of course, we know that Christians do live in la-la land. We know that, but that's not exactly what we would describe here. Okay, so I just list a few things. There might be others. We can certainly talk about that. Uh, The fearful uncertainty of COVID. That's like number one thing, isn't it, on everybody's minds? It's almost inescapable that you can turn on the news or 
get into a conversation with somebody without it being expressed some way. Yes? I think, I think we need to recognize that there is a healthy fear that, we, that you need to recognize that there are certain things that you should um, pay attention to, that it doesn't mean you're necessarily afraid and do not have faith. Fear can be healthy. Would you like to come up here and teach the class? <laughs> yeah, because I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, it, it's just that personally me, I'm kind of getting tired of it. I guess, oh, one other person. <laughs> I mean, really, actually, I, I, think here, I think here's the dilemma. The more you talk about it, the more it becomes part of your life. And it permeates everything. And you start thinking that's all there is. Just COVID is the only thing there is. I mean, and if you just listen only to people talk about it, it's good to talk about it. We can get our feelings out. I'm all about that. But at the same time, if that's all you're talking about and not talking about faith and you're not talking about your relationships and all those things, after a while, you start to believe the only thing that exists in life is COVID. And then, you give fear and then that feels very defeating, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's what we're kind of talking about is, is how, how as a Christian can I live a responsible, common sense, responsible, yet maybe courageous is the word, I don't know, but that life, that faithful life in the midst of the fear, and in particular when you're surrounded by people that are anxious. Okay, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of disagree with Marion just because of the definition of fear. Yeah. I always thought fear was from the devil and not from God. Oh, okay. This is from God. So i just like to say maybe awe, concern. I don't fear COVID. Do you know where that belief came from, that fear is of the devil and not of God? Well, I thought I read it somewhere. <laughs> well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious because um, sometimes we grow up with certain beliefs or teachings, and then when we're adult, we kind of say, oh, I'm not sure if that was right or not. So I'm just asking if you, if you know, if you grew up with that or, or what. I don't know. No, I came up with that. On your own? Recently. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because, well, I think I read it in a devotion, and I can't remember if it was linked to a verse or not. Okay. But um, it was talking about peace and God's peace. Yeah. And how if we are a Christian, peace is a gift from God. We have peace. Right. We have peace with God. We have peace. Yes. But we let fear creep in and take our peace away. I see what you're saying. Okay. So I just, to sort of go around a different way on that, I look at fear as just a human emotion. So I figure that if I'm human, then that's kind of what I'm going to go. I don't, I'm not always fearful. Sometimes I'm not. But I, I look at it kind of from a little bit more of a humanistic perspective. I think where fear spiritually can come in is the peace we have with God is through forgiveness of sins and the relationship with Him. So I would not say that peace with God equals peace on earth, okay, or peace in the earth, because there's a ton of not peace in the... In the no. but, but because of what Christ has done for us, we can be assured that God looks at us and says, 
we're, we're okay because of forgiveness. And where fear can creep in, and we can talk about that too, that the fear that you have or the anxiety that you have about everything in the world can creep into that uh, certainty, that spiritual certainty, where then I start to doubt, well, maybe I'm not forgiven. Maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe he's not really, his promises aren't good for me. Okay? And so if that happens, well, then that's when I am allowing the fear out here to permeate or even impact my, my walk with, with God. Okay? So I would get that part. Okay? Does that, does that, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, and then here. Uh, well, um, I think uh, the verse that addresses fear is, it, it is really Psalm 91. Okay. You know, that's where you trust. It. The Lord talks about fear and even being delivered from the pestilence and plague. Mm -hmm. If you believe in Him, He'll put you under His wing and He will protect you. Anyone that acknowledges Him, they yeah. have His protection. Yes. You don't need to fear anything. Yes. You know, the the, the, the evil things that happen. That's right. That's right. So yeah. that's where I go to for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Peggy. Well, listening to this and seeing, hearing what Patty said about how you define fear. Mm -hmm. Are we? Are you defining fear in where it says fear and love God and all the fear that's in the Bible about fearing and love God, respecting God, or define that form? Oh, that part, like we in the commandments, we should fear and love God. That's that's of the catechism. Yeah, that's the awesome fearing that you're in awe of God as being way bigger than you and way more powerful than you. So we should fear because we fear in love. Oh, well, how do you do that both at the same time? Well, it's more of that. Awesome. Yeah, that sort of like, whoa, as opposed to the bad fear that comes from Satan that that is uh, talking. About. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, when you're in the moment of it, I don't know if we can clearly differentiate as much as from the feeling of it. I think what we're dealing with here is the difference between the feeling of something and then how much of your life is dictated by it. In other words, what I do in fear versus feeling the fear. It's the same thing with anger. See, I look at anger as a human emotion. And the Bible does not say, well, if you're angry, you are not a Christian. What it says is, in your anger, what? Don't sin. So be, be mindful of what you're doing while you're angry. And some people, when they get angry, they lose their minds, literally. And then, you know, that's not good. So, you know, get your mind back before you do something, so to speak, in your anger. So I see, again, I, I kind of look at that from the human perspective of just saying, well, there's some emotions that are just part of being a human. But again, it's what you do in it and what you do with it is where kind of where I'm coming from. Okay, did we have some hands up here? And then we'll go back to Phil. Okay, yeah, Phil. So I, I think Patty may be on to something, even though I don't, I don't necessarily think it may, it may be from uh, the devil that, that, we get, that we get fear. Uh, more so, more like you were saying, a human emotion mm -hmm. of, of, of fear because, I mean, if you look at, Adam and Eve, they weren't afraid of God until they disobeyed God and ate of the tree right. of knowledge of good and evil. Then they jumped in the bushes, yeah. Exactly. Sure. So, I mean, so if, if we go back to the, just the book of Genesis and read that part, I mean, like, they, 
they weren't afraid until after, you know, they, they ate the fruit and their eyes were open. They saw yeah. that they were naked. Mm -hmm. They had that guilt, that, that self-conviction, like, oh, no, we did something horrible. Sure. And, and, that's, and, and so I think we get fear from our sinful nature uh, as opposed to directly from the devil. And probably what the devil does is exploits the heck out of it, right? Because he steps in and says, oh, and here's a bunch of things to... Phil, what a novel idea. Read the Bible. That is so amazing. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, Richard. I think where we get tripped up on words... Uh-huh, tripped up on words. Yeah. There are multiple definitions for the word fear. Mm-hmm. So... When I speak and I just use the word fear, yeah, um, I need to be careful that I'm really explaining what fear I'm talking about. Spoken like a true English teacher. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I mean, and so you know, and I'm kind of just throwing it out there. But again, because it certainly is a word that resonates with most people today. I think that as well as faith. I mean, you know, faith does too, that then it's probably a, a good thing for us to kind of talk about that. So anyway, let's go through the other things here. COVID, mass, no mass. Okay, see, if you, if you want to start a fight, just go there, mass, no mass. Uh, who is the president? There's another one that we're up in the air about. Which lives matter? Okay, that's another one that uh, everybody's all upset about. Lockdown versus open economy. Fake news, censoring, transparency, absolute truth versus relative truth, respect for authority, or defund authority. Okay? Can you think of any other life questions? We may as well get them all out in, in, in this so we can all say, okay, I, I, mine was hurt. Yeah, Lawrence. You know, I don't fear any of this. Oh, thank goodness. I don't. My greatest fear is getting wiped out on the freeway. <laughs> Okay, where's my pen? I need that pen. I need to write that down. Getting wiped out on the freeway. Okay, got it, Lawrence. Okay, anything else? Well, I want to know why we have one of these on here. Huh, what? Who is president? Everybody in this, everybody with a brain knows who's the president. Well, currently, yes. What do you mean, currently? Well, we, do, we currently have a president, and we're probably going to have another one at some point. Now, that's all just a bunch of politics. It is. That's why I throw it out there, okay? Because these are, see, my point is, is that these are uncertainties, not for some people, right? But for other people, this is another thing that is stirring people up and getting people into an anxious state, a state of anxiety, and that's kind of maybe what I should talk about is anxiety rather than talk about fear, because anxiety is its own thing, okay? So that's my, the point I'm trying to make. I, I get yeah. a little bit fearful just about letting God down. Not, I guess that's more anxiety mm -hmm. because of the way that things are changing in yeah. our world. Yeah, and, You know, like if I don't speak out, yeah. like I know Christian, younger Christians. Oh, that's a good one right there. Let me write that down too. I know younger Just keep Christians the pen, you might be busy. That are my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. And I can't. I, I, I feel like I need to speak up, like God leads me to speak up. Uh-oh. And, um, and, and correct that. Uh, you know. I can use my own personal story to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. I, I uh, 
I don't want to create because I've had backlash when I've said things. It, I get very nervous and anxious because I want to be a loving Christian, but yet I also feel like I have to tell the truth that the Bible contains, and then I that know. makes me very anxious. That okay, there we go. We're making our anxiety list. Tim? I'm just kind of going off of what she said, and I forgot who said it on the podcast last week about uh, when it comes to witnessing and like the backlash and people like venting on us. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've really learned uh, just by reading Proverbs over and over again is sometimes when people are venting to us, I mean, Proverbs say a fool has no appeal in hearing anyone's opinion, just expressing what they think. Right. Um, it's really a matter of when you know someone's heart, I mean, when they say my body, my choice, it's like that's wrong speaking up. It's like, are they seeking truth? Are they seeking humility? Or are they boasting in their pride? Because if we're confronting someone's pride up front, then they're always going to snap back at us. And sometimes they're just trying to overcome that conscience by more and more saying, I mean, believe in what they think and over trying to overcome it. And if we call that out in a way, we're only going to get bit back versus if we confront someone like Front a wise man, he will love you. Confront a fool, he will hate you. That's how we need to look at it. Good. All right. So, how to address it is part of the deal as well. Okay. All right. So, notice I've got fear over faith, and I've got faith over fear. All right. I think the thing that I'm getting from 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 Jesus's response to the disciples' fear is that notice when he shows up, he does not lecture them on the fact that they're fearful. He doesn't say to them, hey, guys, I'm risen. Why is the door locked? <laughs> you notice? Now, he just shows up. Of course, he just appears. He doesn't need the door to be unlocked or locked. He doesn't care about that. It's just, boom, he's there. And what he does is his deal is he shows them himself. And he takes into account the fact that some of them got the word that he was risen and some of them didn't. And so he wants to assure them that it really is him. And he doesn't say, oh, ye of little faith that you don't believe it's really me. Instead, what does he do? He says, it's really me and here I'll prove it to you. And then does what? Shows him what? His hands and his side and his feet. See, that's, that's all he does. He doesn't go into any sort of big long thing about, oh, you know, clearly you guys have lost your faith. That isn't what it is. He just says, I understand the human side, the sinful nature, the humanness of, of humans. I understand how this might be quite shocking to you, but there is hope in this anxious world and the hope is me. And it's really me, and here I'll prove it to you. So he, he shows up, and, and of course, what does it say? I think it says that they were overjoyed when what? They saw the Lord. So to some degree, I think it sort of informs us a little bit that in the anxious world that we live in, where so many people have either no hope or a very shallow hope, we point people to Jesus. That's what we do. And we live it. See, you li you're living it. It's not, 
so much what you say, although what you say kind of is a good thing. But, but at the end of the day, it's, if you're living in the joy yourself and you're living in the hope yourself, it leaks out. And eventually people are going to say, I don't know how you do that. How do you do that? How do you, how do you get up and go in and, and survive on the freeways and then at the end you're smiling still? How do you do that? Because so many people who are so anxious about so many things um, left the smile at home. It's not living in la-la land. I mean, I guess it could be. It's not being, oh, pie in the sky, oh, you know, rose-colored glasses. Those are all the stupid things people say. But the reality is, is that what they're picking up from us is that there's something else going on. Even if all these things don't go the way that some people think they ought to. Okay, what if they don't? What if every single one of those things goes the way that you didn't want it to or you didn't even think was right for it to? Well, so what? You're just going to like roll over in a ball and die? No. We're going to live lives of joy and faith and trust in Jesus, and we're going to be Jesus' people in that world. That's what we're going to do. See? And I think that's what Jesus is pointing out to the disciples, because then the very next thing he says is, as the Father has sent me, guess what, guys? I'm sending you. Now, to do what? To go out and be shriveling, hand-wringing Christian people? No. To share what? To tear Jesus. And you see, that's why it was so important for, for, for Jesus to show up to people who believed in him. And by the way, he only showed up after his resurrection. He only showed up to people that believed in him. He didn't show up. He, oh, how perfect it would have been if he had just popped into the Sanhedrin, you know, like appeared. <laughs> How great that would have been. Awesome in that moment, right? Boy, stick it to those guys. Ha, 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 right? Or just, you know, Pilate sitting down with his wife for dinner and bam, here comes Jesus right there. That would have been awesome. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He only appeared to people that believed in him. And then the point of that was, is that he truly is resurrected. You are witnesses of that. Now go tell people about the resurrected Jesus. That he is the source of hope. All these other things would be nice in life, but they are not the source of hope. And in fact, in the world we live in today, some of those things out the window, right? Yeah, okay. Will I like it? No. But can I live the hope of Jesus in it? Yes. Is it going to be easy? No. The Bible never said it would be. And sometimes we get a little forgetful of what the Bible says. Yes? I always think about it's not strictly biblical per se, but the, the prayer of St. Francis, isn't it St. Francis of Assisi? That oh, I like that guy. Yeah. Help me to change the things I can, accept the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. That's the, that last part. It is. And, and, but I would sort of add to that then living in the hope of and the joy of, okay? Because I can go into acceptance mode in a resignation sort of way. Okay, I'll go along with it. You know, that is pitiful. 
And that, you know, if Jesus is going to send us out, that will not win people over, right? Okay. You know that? Who wants to be around that? So I'm just, I'm just sort of promoting the idea that the deal with faith and fear is that they both exist together in a human. And to, to Phil's point, fear didn't exist when people were perfect. Well, thank goodness, fear won't exist when we get to heaven. But everything in between, it exists. And so the question is, what is it that will be the predominant thing in your life? And, and it should be faith over fear, but just recognize that there will be moments in life when it's going to feel like it's over here, and we fluctuate between the two. That's, I think, the point that I'm trying to make. Okay? So if you think about it from that point of view, is there a, is there a place for common sense in this? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, common sense, yeah. If, if a mask is called for or mandated in some way, well, then wear your mask, okay? You can moan and groan about it, but just wear your mask. That's okay. Again, it, the Bible doesn't demand that we like everything or that we even like everybody. It kind of says love people, right? But like and love, as I was told the other day, are two different things, okay? I won't say who said that, but... You kind of know my life, okay? Uh, scientific and medical knowledge, okay, data. We hear a lot about data and, and scientific knowledge, and we need to pay attention to it, okay? Sometimes it's a little hard to read that because sometimes it feels like it depends on which five scientists and medical people you're listening to because there's so much uh, disagreement. Symptoms and statistics, we need to pay attention to that. Correlations and causes, we need to pay attention to that and differentiate between the two. Do you know the difference between a correlation of something and a cause of something? Do you know? I know Brenda does. Do you know the difference? Sometimes what is a correlation gets promoted as a cause. Can, can you speak to that? Or would you speak to that? Well, just because, okay, a cause is something this happen because of this. A correlation just means their timing is together. Mm -hmm. right? You can say, okay, you've all dealt with babies, you can say that there's a correlation between an infant getting a vaccination and an infant having teething symptoms. Yeah. But they have nothing to do with each right. other. They just occur at the same age. Yeah. You can't say one causes the other one to happen, you can say, well, the probability is that maybe it is, but because of the high incidences of it. But sometimes what happens when people are trying to make their case for something is they'll take a correlation, which is a connection, and then they'll say, on the, oh, clearly it's a cause. Well, no, it's not. And so, you know, part of common sense is to question that stuff, I would say, okay? is to say, uh, excuse me, let me see the little dots on the uh, graph that show cause as opposed to that. Okay, so here's some thoughts about when fear covers faith. And this would just simply be, this is not an indictment, but it is a way, and I think it's helpful to do this, is to be able to ask yourself the question, if, if I was sliding over here in terms of fear over faith, what, what might that look like? In other words, what what might be some indicators to me that I'm letting fear be the, the dominant thing or, or anxiety, let's use that word, anxiety, and that if that was the case, then I might need some help that will help me move back over here. 
Okay, I mean, part of it is, is sort of self-awareness or sort of self-recognition. Or perhaps you even find that when you're in a conversation with somebody else, you're hearing these things and you're thinking, uh, I think they're probably slipping over this way and I want to help that person move over to this way. Okay, so just some things when fear covers faith is that you start to play the negative what-if game. Are you familiar with that game, the what-if game? How many of you have ever played the what-if game before? Okay, yeah. And so then do you ever like say, what if I'm successful? What if we win the game? What if things work out? Is that how we usually uh, play the what-if game? No, it's the negative what-if game, okay? Uh, You think all or nothing, that's kind of another uh, aspect of anxiety. Um, You focus on what can't be done. It's very self-defeating. All that matters is your own self-preservation. It's very difficult when people are anxious to think of other people's needs. And, and again, see, that's a little bit of, I think, what's going on with the, all the uncertainty in the world is that very much of the reality of life is that people are uh, in one, uh, uh, state, one uh, position or the other on everything. And there's an insistence that if I'm over here and you're over here, well, then I'm right and you're wrong. And it's very difficult for people to find that there could be a possibility of some middle place to be. Okay? In fact, most people are not even entertaining the idea that there could be any kind of middle place. And the mass, no mass, that's the one I think that is most uh, prominent in that one uh, as, as an example. Uh, you lose sleep at night. Anybody losing sleep at night? Anybody waking up at 3, 4 in the morning? And when you do, what are you thinking about? Everything. Everything. Go to sleep at night and your mind is like thinking about stuff. And you think, oh, finally, pass out, boom, like that, and wake up at 3 in the morning, and what is your brain doing? It's still thinking about those stuff. It's trying to figure things out. Uh, you worry? Anybody worried? <laughs> you know, we should put all these in the confession of sins on Sunday morning. We should do that, right? And then everyone else becomes a threat. Now, I don't mean that in the sense of, like, your, your life or something. What? Yeah, I mean, it could be, but... But it's more of kind of an existential threat. It's like, um, whatever, if you say X, they say Y. And there's like very little patience for the possibility of X, Y. Okay? When faith covers fear, you trust God's promises while you're anxious. Now, that is not a very satisfying answer, is it? Because what it says is, well, the sources of anxiety will still be there, right? Yeah, they will. And I may even have anxiety, okay? So I added one extra there after I thought about it, is that if you're on meds, take them. (laughs) I'm serious. I am serious about it. And if you're not, and you're still struggling with some of these things, that especially the wake up in the middle of the night kind of stuff, then go talk to your doc. Because just because you're a Christian and you have faith doesn't mean there's some chemical or electrical malfunction inside your brain and body. I'm a huge believer in that. Now, you don't have to go pharmacy. Some people, I don't. I go um, homeopathic. But it's still chemistry. It's still chemistry. So I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in that. Well, there wasn't a pharmacy nearby for the disciples. So let's get back to our lesson. Okay. And let's see what Jesus does. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, 
And Thomas was with them. And here's interesting, though the doors were locked. Now, it does not say they were locked for fear of the Jews. So that's probably, there's been a little shift here in their thinking, but doors are still locked. Boom. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he looks right at Thomas. He says, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Kind of a little interesting Greek thing here is when he says stop doubting, the English is being quite kind to him. But the Greek word there is stop unbelieving. Yeah, the word is apistos, which is, apistos is faith, and then you put an A in front of it and it is not, okay? Stop not believing, Thomas, okay? So he's quite, he's quite direct with Thomas. But again, what, why would he do that? Is he, is he doing that because he's trying to make Thomas feel bad? No. Thomas is, with the rest of those guys, is going to be a witness. He's part of the sent ones, and incidentally, where did Thomas go? Does anybody know that? India. Yeah, he became the patron saint of India, in fact. He went, you know, and uh, uh, he promoted and brought Christianity, in, in that sense, to the people of, of India. But notice what he says, because you have, uh, you have seen me, you have believed. What Jesus is pointing out is there is a connection between your ex the experience of your senses it, so broaden it out beyond just sight, okay? Sight certainly is, but even in Thomas's case, there was more than, the evidence for him was more than just what he saw. There's also what he heard, hearing the words of Jesus, and then there was the tactile, which was also touch, okay? It really is me, C, 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 right? So the idea that I would take from that is, is that maybe for some people, there is this connection between what they believe and what they can uh, gain from their experience. And certainly in the case of the disciples immediately after the resurrection, that was it. But what about when Jesus ascends into heaven and they're out sharing the gospel and people are saying, well, it's really nice what you're saying and I'm glad you got to see it. But I don't get to see it. So how do I know it really is? And notice what Jesus says about that. He says, blessed are those who have not seen, right? And yet what? See, our, and, and who is that, by the way? Us. We have not seen like that, and yet we believe. And so what that means is that we're living over here and to some degree allowing the faith in God's promises to be the prominent thing over fear and anxiety, given the fact that fear and anxiety still exists and it's still there with us. Does that make sense to think it that way? And it's like Jesus is saying, you can do this, but wow, your life is awesome. It's great when it's over here. And just recognize that when you're living your life over here, there's a lot of people in the world that are living their life over here. And as much as we would love all these people over here to come over here, that's a hard sell sometimes. But again, God's Holy Spirit is working through you, and it's in you, 
and it's leaking out of you. So it kind of does say something to the effect of how we are with each other and how we are in this unjust, unfair, discriminatory, all the stuff that's going on in the world, how we are in that world makes a difference. Years ago, I heard someone say, I like because I love although. Ooh. Say that again so we can hear that. I love some of these people. Some of these people uh, that we don't agree with, if we love them although, we won't have to like them. We can get along. (laughs) I don't like boiled oakery, but I don't hate people that do. Well, there you go. So let's make that very practical, Lawrence. When you're driving down 635, trying to stay alive. I don't drive on it anymore. Okay. <laughs> there are other ways to get here. Thank goodness. Thank, no, that, that would be common sense. That's common sense right there. You're using con- good common sense, okay? But let's just say that you're driving some back road through Plano somewhere or where Garland, wherever it is, and somebody who ought not to be driving, right, is irresponsible behind the wheel, and they impact you in some way, okay? You don't have to like them, don't have to like how they are, but in that moment, you can love them. Yeah. Okay? See, that's just, it's a, that's right, it's just, it's a practical thing. We make this very practical. All right, well, let's keep on going here. All right, so, so again, see, it, I think that sometimes, when this is the thing that you're feeling the most versus this, I mean, the, fe- the fear over faith, I always forget we have podcast people who don't know what I'm talking about when I say this or this, right? Okay. All right. Um, is the fear over faith is I think that probably when, when any of us is in that particular state or condition, we kind of would like more evidence. We kind of would like more prove it to me. We kind of would like more experience. I kind of would like to feel God's presence more. Right? And so I think what happens when we go through losses in life or kind of all these uncertainties, that that what can happen is because we don't feel it or experience it, we just wish we could. Right? Right? Like when you're grieving a loss and you're just like in the world of numb, you would love to feel God's presence. You would love to feel joy when you sing a hymn. You, you love to enjoy Christmas. You would, all those things you would love. But the enormity of the loss that you've gone through and the way your body's reacting to it keeps that from happening. And so the, I, I do think, and I, I totally get that, that in that moment, we wish that we could enjoy it more. The good news is that will pass. Maybe not 100%, okay? But it'll pass. It'll, it'll get better humanly. But getting better humanly is not the same as it already is better spiritually. And see, that's when we can hang on to God's promises that He is with us, that we have His peace, that He... Uh, that he will not forsake us or abandon us. All those promises are, are the thing that we need to hang on to and we need to say to each other. So instead of talking to each other about, oh, how, how unfair all these things are, and gee whiz, there's, everybody else is in control and not me, that may be true, but, 
But if I continue to only talk about that, I'm reinforcing the prominence of fear over faith. And so I think if we talk about it with each other on social media or wherever you talk about it, whatever it is in conversation, end the conversation with what? God's in charge. The God that is in charge loves you. And the God that is in charge and loves you knows way better than we do about what his plan is. And at the end of the day, the biggest part of the plan is what? Resurrection. Heaven. How cool is that? See? And so that's sort of accepting the reality of how things are. Maybe you can control them. Maybe you can't. Right? But what you can control or what you do have a lot to say about is how you're going to respond to it in, as a person of faith. Okay? Make sense? Okay. Very good. All right, well, so verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Isn't that a bummer? Don't you kind of wish that there was like another book that you could like read all the rest of the things with it? Okay, but John says, these are written so that what? You may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, number one. And then number two, by believing, you may have what? Life is his name. At the end of the day, that's the best thing. And nothing in this life can take that away. Even death can't take that away. You die in Christ, you rise in Christ. Boy, talk about something great to be certain about. So afterward, let's see if we have time. Do we have time to do the fishing one? We'll go as far as we can, okay? Afterward, Jesus appeared to, again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also called Didymus, he was the one before, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, what were their names? James and John. James and John, yeah, okay. And two other disciples were together. What a bummer that he didn't say the other guys' names. I bet they felt a little inadequate after reading this, right? What was their names again? Okay. I'm going out to fish. I love this part. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. So they went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So a little bit of fishing lore here is that the nature of the Sea of Galilee was, was that, and this is often true in big lakes where there's deep water, is that the fish would come in to the shallows in the early morning and also at night when it was cooler, and they would feed on the little minnows, and then during the day they would go back out in the deep water. So the nature of these boats, these were shallow draft boats, they were primarily only meant for the shallows. They would go out, they would throw their net out, and then they would have somebody on the shore and the boats would bring the net, they would bring the nets in that way. Okay, that's how they did it. Kind of a sane kind of idea is what that was. Okay, so they're going out to fish. I love that. Partly because that tells you a little bit about the fact that they probably never really stopped being fishermen. I mean, that's what they were before Jesus called them for the most part. And they still had their boats and they still had their, you know, how do we eat and that kind of thing and make money. So that's probably what they did. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Why not, do you think? Brian, why not, do you think? You can answer when you're done laughing. So, yeah, go ahead. What do you think? They didn't have their sunglasses. They did not. That's right. 
because the sun is rising and they're squinting and maybe some distance away and maybe they're tired because they've been fishing all night and haven't caught a thing and maybe just a little embarrassed about that. These are professional fishermen after all. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No. <laughs> I love it. If you've ever gone fishing and, had, and didn't catch anything except some like tires or something like that, and then some clown on the shore says, oh, did you catch any fish? You know, no. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter, heard, Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him because he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. So they're pretty far away. When they landed, they saw a, bur a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Okay, a couple things here. Sure, who's the one that jumps out of the boat like before, right? But notice he doesn't walk on the water this time. He kind of has to wade in. They're getting close, uh, close to the shore. But leave it to Peter to be one, the one to rock the boat. He's been rocking the boat ever since, and so they got used to it. And then, of course, he's leaving them behind to do the work, and he's going to, uh, uh, going to see Jesus. But before that, the significance of... A guy, uh, just a stranger on the shore saying, throw your net on the other side, which presumably would have been out into the deep as opposed to into the shallows. And what is amazing is they do it. Now you think in terms of just the human moment, they could have not done it. And in fact, you think, what if they didn't do it, what might have been their thought process in terms of the reason for not doing it as opposed to a reason for doing it? Because see, at this point, they don't yet know it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus until the big catch of fish come. But if you think about it from that point of view, these guys are fishermen. They are professional. They've been doing it ever since they were little bitty kids. They know the terrain of the Sea of Galilee. They know how to do it. And some guy comes along and says... Do it differently. They're going to say, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he Exactly. Knows. What does he know? Right? Now, probably what kept him from doing that was the fact that they didn't catch any fish before. <laughs> so maybe a lesson there is that when you strike out in life, you're more receptive to what Jesus has to say to you when he says it. Or did Jesus just have the voice of authority? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think he was booming out there, yes. But again, it's, it, it's kind of that idea that, that wouldn't, wouldn't we sort of agree with that humanly that sometimes when we think, well, what do we got to lose? Let's just do it. I mean, a little bit of that sort of like, oh, nothing else we've tried worked. And then you do it God's way. And all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, why didn't I do that sooner? You know? Yeah, Bob? I'd just like to comment that this is how Jesus originally showed himself to them earlier when he first picked them up. Yes. He told them to throw the nets, he told them to take the boats out and throw their nets at a certain place. Into the deep, yeah. So it's very, very parallel.
It is. It's kind of like it's a bookended deal, isn't it? You know, kind of again, uh, I'm the Messiah on the front end, and then on the back end, I'm still the Messiah. The disciples were very dejected, and Peter yes. was the worst of the bunch as far as being dejected because yeah. he knew he had forsaken his. Oh, yeah, and we'll get to that next time with, with respect to Jesus' reinstatement there. Peter went back to being a fisherman. He says, yeah. I can't testify about this man any longer. Oh, that is a great point, that he would have been living in the regret, and living in the regret and the guilt and the shame and all that stuff would have, he would have thought that disqualified him. Yeah. Phil, one comment, and then we'll finish. Uh, I, was, I was thinking, could this perhaps be kind of a metaphor with how we should have our witness to others for the church? So, for so the fishermen casting their net on the more shallow side say like ca casting their net and like that would be something like witnessing for us to others inside the church yeah or or more closely to other fellow christian Ooh. friends Ooh. and you don't get you don't really catch too many other people that are already saved right so jesus tells the disciples to cast his their net on the deep end in the dark open world that is out there and you can't really see the bottom of and what do they catch? 153 or whatever it was, yeah. Like so many, so many. And they fish were all they, large and, fish. And they weren't able to like haul it into the boat. So, so, so maybe that's a metaphor saying like, hey, go out and witness to the world, and and just catch so many fish that you can't like that you don't have room for them in your boat. Well, it's like a little bit like when we do the podcast. You know, there's a lot of fish out there that we're like reaching, and but we haven't figured out a way to haul them in yet. I think that's, you know, but well, let's, let's just, let's let what Phil just said kind of sit around in our brains this week and kind of see where it goes. And then we'll pick this up next time. Sound good. Thank you for that. That's a great insight. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. And thank you for the way that, that uh, your word once again speaks to us. And oh my gosh, does it ever speak to us now? that faith over fear and the fear over faith and the fluctuating back and forth, Lord. There's so much uncertainty in our world and particularly even in our country. Uh, and and it's, it, that's uh, sort of trickling down to all the walks of life that we have. And so, Lord, I, I would just simply ask you for your blessing upon us that as, as we deal with fear and anxiety, as we deal with the uncertainties of life, isn't it wonderful to know that the one uncertainty that we actually can be certain of is the love that you have for us in your son Jesus and all that he's done for us and that all he continues to be with us and for us. So help us to take the, the joy of that and the hope of that and, and be spreaders of it, Lord, to be, to be people of faith and people of hope and people of peace, not, not really in the worldly sense of that, but in that, in the gift that it is from you to us, that as, as uh, the God the Father sent you, Lord, that then you are sending us. And we do that with your blessing, and we do that with your power, and we do that with your gifts. So watch over us this week, dear Lord, uh, this Thanksgiving uh, week. Uh, a lot of people uh, on, uh, with things on their mind. So keep us mindful of that until we're together again. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. 
If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.